It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. All right, seasons on the line tonight for Colorado and Boston. The Avalanche will take on the Stars at seven forty-five at Rogers Place. Dallas up three-one in the series. Boston and Tampa Bay just started the second period. No score. Shots are eight-five for the Bruins, and Tampa Bay leads that series three games to one. The Boston Bruins, I, I was looking back at this, and if, if, uh, if you've ever listened to this show in the past, you'll, you'll know that I personally am not overly fond of the uh, Boston Bruins and many of their players, but you have to admit they have been an exceptional hockey team for quite a while now, and uh, I have to admit sometimes I, I wish that certain other teams, perhaps one that I covered might play, uh, one that I cover on a pretty much daily basis all winter long, maybe played a little bit more like the Boston Bruins and had some of their depth. But I, I was looking back at the last 10 years, including this year, so this goes back to 2011, which is when the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup, and it's it's pretty impressive what they've been able to accomplish. Now, this this could you know end a pretty good decade for them tonight if they can't beat Tampa Bay. Playoff games played by franchise over the last ten years. Now, this I, I, I had to pick a delineation point, so I just picked the last ten seasons. Maybe a little unfair to the Chicago Blackhawks because it does uh, exclude the first of their three Stanley Cups, but. Playoff games played over the last 10 years. Boston has played 121, counting tonight. 121 playoff games. So that's averaging 12 a year. Now, average, kind of a little misleading there because they didn't they didn't make the playoffs in 15 and 16. They've been to the Stanley Cup finals three times. They won it over Vancouver in 2011. They lost to Chicago in 2013. They lost last year to the St. Louis Blues. Some uh, other trips, you know, to the second round. And they've been a pretty good team. 120 playoff games for Boston in the last 10 years. So, sorry, 121 is tonight. That leads all franchises. Pittsburgh's at 115. Washington's at 108. And then San Jose and the Rangers, which I was a little surprised, but I guess they uh, they had a cup final visit conference final visit up there as well. The New York Rangers and San Jose are at 101. Playoff games won in the last 10 years. Boston leads the way, 67. Pittsburgh is at 60, Tampa Bay 56, Chicago 55. Again, if I went back another year, Chicago would would have that, but still Boston right up there. And then I thought, I wonder in terms of some of their individual players, and they've had a pretty strong core of of players for, for most of the last decade plus, uh, who leads the NHL in individual playoff games played? Well, Marchand has played in every one for the Bruins, 121. That's fourth in the last decade. Chara is fifth at 119. Bergeron and Krejci tied for sixth at 118. So the Bruins with four of the top seven players in terms of individual play games played in the postseason over the last 10 years. Here's the, the little surprising stat of the day. 
Okay, I'll just ask you this as you're driving around or listening in your house or whatever. I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. It's not a trivia question or anything. I'll just you just tell me if you want who pops into your mind. What NHL player do you think has played the most playoff games over the last decade? Who who might like I probably would have guessed Chara or Marchand or Bergeron if you'd asked me that. Uh, it is Carl Hagelin. How about that? Carl Hagelin is uh, your playoff graybeard. <laughs> over the last 10 years with 136 games. But it could end for Boston tonight, and I'm not saying it's the end of uh, them being a good team, but a pretty impressive decade for the Bruins. And they have the star players. You know, Charles logs a lot of minutes. They've they've had the big line up front. Pasternak now a big part of that team. Krejci's been uh, an excellent second-line kind of player for most of that time. And they always seem to have a dangerous third and fourth line who are not just tenacious but can chip in goals along the way. And it's been a big part of their success. And as I've been watching the playoffs, and I've watched a lot of Boston games over the last 10 years, especially in the playoffs, because um, – like I said, I'm. I just. I just don't like them. It's part of this goes back to me when I was a kid. Um, you know, there were there were two teams I enjoyed watching and hoping did well: the Edmonton Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens. So as a result, you don't like the Boston Bruins very much. A couple of meetings with the Oilers in the Stanley Cup final in 88-90, numerous playoff meetings along the way with the Montreal Canadiens, basically over the course of my entire life. I mean, they've still played in the playoffs several times uh, this century, even though the division format and there have been more teams, they still wind up playing each other quite a bit. So I watch the Bruins a lot because even if they're not playing the Canadiens or, or whoever, I, I hope they lose. Now against the Leafs, maybe it's not quite that simple. but. And here's the thing about the Bruins and and why why you, you hate them and if you're a fan of them, why you love them because they are just willing to push it and push it and push it with, quite frankly, the cheap stuff. And look, I, I think that's a big part of their formula. You watch them in, in these postseasons, the, always the little extra face wash, the little slash after the whistle, the little extra cross check to the back. They're so good at having that pack mentality that we are not only out here to play good hockey, we are out here to intimidate you and frustrate you. I mean, go back to the, the, the 2011 Cup Final, even, how they tried to get under the skins of the of the Sedins and the Vancouver Canucks, and, and a lot of it worked. They have just always had that mentality that we are going to uh, beat you with our skill and we are going to beat you physically and we are going to frustrate you and irritate you and try to goad you and goad you and goad you. And we know that we can outlast you. Not only can we outscore you, we can uh, out tough you. And it's again, if you're an opponent, if you don't like the team, it's it's maddening to watch and you wish the refs got the whistles out a little more often or or put a cap on some of the things that they do. But again, they, they know how to get to the line and maybe just not cross it or dare the ref. If, if, look, if you out there and say, all right, after every whistle in front of my own net as a Bruins defenseman, I'm going to give a, an opponent a slash on the back of the leg, in the calf or on the ankle. Not a hard slash, but I'm going to do it to remind him I'm here and just bug him, maybe inflict a little bit of pain so it's harder for him to stand there next time. Well, if you just, you know, if you don't make it that severe, and the ref doesn't call it the first time, then you just keep doing it and daring him to call it and daring him to call it. Bruce, Bruce texted in, don't forget about kisses in the corner. Well, that's a great, I mean, that Marchand licking stuff from a couple of years ago was completely vile in my mind. But again, they're, they, they're a little crazy, right? 
Like Marchand's a little crazy. Chara's a little crazy. Like Lucic was there. We had him here. Like he could be a little crazy. They have those types of players. And a lot of times they're their top five or six players and, and everybody else starts to play that way. I mean, I, I would think over the last 10 years, if there was one team that you would say what like absolutely has an identity, I, I would say the Boston Bruins. Like, you know what you were going to get night after night. Their skill guys can, can go get it. Uh, most of them can also play the, 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 the cheap game. If they need to, they usually have a pretty good goaltender. Chara leads the way on the back end. Uh, you know, they usually have a, a skilled, smaller defenseman or two, Kruger, McAvoy, players like that along the way. And they are almost always in the playoffs. And and look, this is what the Oilers and a lot of other teams want to get to where it's pretty hard to win the Stanley Cup. But three appearances in the last 10 years, Tampa Bay just scored to go up one nothing. You'd go into a lot of playoffs the last 10 years saying, well, the Bruins at least have a chance. Maybe they're not a favorite, but maybe you'd put them as the fifth, sixth, or seventh favorite. And if a few things go there, and, and some years they absolutely have been a favorite. And I guess this year, President's Trophy, uh, though with uh, you know the thing, the, the reseeding after the round robin, they, they didn't get the top seed. But this is what I'm saying about Boston and what you hope – the Oilers could get to, and a lot of other Canadian teams you hope they get to, because I was looking at the playoff uh, win totals over the last uh, decade, and you have uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto all down in like the bottom six or seven in terms of playoff games won. But that's this, this is what the Oilers are ultimately going to need, right? Depth players, reliable defense, and and stick with a core of guys and, and build the right pieces around them. And I got to hand it to Boston, as much as I have not enjoyed them being a pretty successful franchise, they they do it, and they do it night after night. And they they are a dangerous playoff team. They're a dangerous team overall. So anyway, just some numbers there on Boston. 120 playoff games over the last 10 years, sorry, 121 counting tonight, 67 wins, both tops in the NHL. And in terms of individual players, four of the top seven, players who have uh, in in postseason games over the last decade play for the Boston Bruins, Marshawn, Chara, Bergeron, and Krejci. Now, in terms of trying to build a little bit of depth, well, the Oilers taking a step in that direction today. Patrick Russell signs a one-year contract. Now, Patrick Russell, here's the thing. He is not a star player, and I wouldn't put him in the same ilk as some of the Bruins depth players who uh, play on a third or fourth night and contribute every night. I think Patrick Russell's a 13th or 14th forward. Uh, He's the type of player who, like this past season, is probably going to spend the entire year on the roster and play around half the games. Probably not that many if the Oilers uh, get get even deeper. He played 45 of the Oilers' 71 games this past season. He is still looking for that first NHL goal. He has five assists all this past year. He did have a goal disallowed against the Vancouver Canucks in the first half of the season. But I think a safe signing by the Oilers, it's been interesting watching Patrick Russell in the NHL, uh, you know, got into six games in 18-19 and then the 45 this year. I think coaches look at him as a safe player. He is not going to play a lot. Uh, I mean, he's probably going to play under 10 minutes when he does play. But he plays in a straight line, and he can protect the puck, and he can get involved in battles. And I think that's probably how he's going to craft out an NHL career, as, as a depth player who won't hurt you when, when he's on the ice. Ultimately, to be a really good team, 
you need depth players who not only won't hurt you, who can make plays as well. And I think that's ultimately the next step for the Oilers. But if Russell's your 13th or 14th guy, that's not so bad. And he was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer today. Brendan Escott was filling in and Russell talked about his role. As you said, I've been the bottom six forward. Um, I obviously take a lot of pride in that. Um, play hard, get the pucks in. Um, and I think that's what, what tips, uh, Tip uh, expects from us. And, and I really like that playing style. It fits, fits well to what I like to play. And uh, it's been a good fit so far, absolutely. All right. Now, Patrick Russell back in uh, Denmark, but he has been trying to follow the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good teams. Uh, I, I try to watch as much as I can. It's mostly highlights from my part because it's in the middle of the night. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of grind. It, it's just play-up hockey, you know, hard physical plays. Um, and I think I can can do that style of play. And, and I think that you can see from my early years in Bakersfield that I take a step in the right direction every year. And hopefully I can do that next year too. Hard physical plays in the postseason, and again, to reflect on what wrapped up, I guess, about three weeks ago now, the, the Oilers' brief postseason, the qualifying series against the Chicago Blackhawks, and we just didn't see that from Edmonton. And I know we kind of broke it down a lot in the in the week or two after, but I, I was golfing last week uh, and golfing with someone uh, who uh, – I consider pretty knowledgeable about the game of hockey, uh, not someone I get to talk to as much as I would like. And uh, he described the way the Oilers played as disheartening. And, and I thought that was an interesting choice choice of words. And uh, he said, you see all these other teams willing to block shots, diving in front of shots with their faces, and the Oilers were just kind of like, oh, yeah, go ahead, take a shot, tip it in. So, and again, to get back to Boston, it is a mentality as much as an ability. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Recall or text. My name is Reed Wilkins. Back from a week off. Did I miss anything last week? Wonder if there's any big sports news. We'll take a timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. Another goal for Tampa Bay, 10-59 now left in the second period, lightening up 1-0 on the Bruins. And, of course, they're up 3-1 in that series. Later on tonight, Dallas and Colorado. Dallas will try to finish it off. The Blue Jays lost today 4-3 in 11 innings to Baltimore. Another uh, tense one for the Jays, who uh, added three players today at the trade deadline. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on. Blue Jays are actually uh, kind of fun to watch this year. Got some uh, energetic players. They, they play with a lot of joie de vivre, Kellen Kennedy. You know what I'm talking about? They have that certain I don't know what. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Anyways. <laughs> it's good. Wait, Kellen chuckle. That always brightens go. my day. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. 
B-Money says, hi, Reed. Welcome back. One of the issues the Oilers have is they notoriously overpay players on the regular. They've been doing it since 2006. I'm not talking about McDavid or Dreisaitl, but it limits their cap space to get depth players. Well, I think you make a good point, B-Money. It, it goes, it covers, I guess, two or three general managers. Uh, I don't know if I would pin, pin that on Ken Holland at this point. I guess we'll see how he handles some deals going forward. Um, but that's definitely been a problem for the Oilers overpaying players or putting players in situations where, okay, you're a third line player, but you got to come here and, and, you know, be one of our top offensive players doing things like that. And they're going to need to find inexpensive players going forward because look, there's the cap may not go up for four or five years. So there's not going to be a lot of money to work with. So they're going to need the uh, Yamamoto's and Benson's and bears and Jones of the world, the kind of next generation of draft picks be able to come up and uh, contribute on entry-level contracts. We'll see what happens uh, with bear this summer. He's obviously going to get some sort of a raise and, and could there be, could there be a trade here? I, I look, I, you guys know, I don't get, into trade talk that much because you can just talk yourself into a hole with all the, all the trade rumors and everybody has some idea about who, who they're going to go after. I, I think they got to get a goalie. I, I, I would not bring back Mike Smith and it, look, maybe he still has another strong year or two in him. Uh, and, and you may wind up with still another older goalie. I don't know, Mark Andre Fleury, somebody like that, but I, I still think they got to go out and go get a goalie. Uh, Larry says, uh, hi, Reed. Good to have you back. What do you think it would cost the Oilers to get a goalie from Columbus? Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing, Cass, uh, they have Corpus Salo and Merzlikens, both are 26, and both are signed for a couple more years, and their total salary is $6.8 million, so not too bad for those two goaltenders. So I mean, I, if you're Columbus, I don't know if you're looking to move, move those guys or not. Uh, this texture says, Cassian is overpaid. He's a sleeper. Otherwise, a three-year contract was a mistake. Uh, here's the interesting thing about Cassian. If he plays on McDavid's line, he is not overpaid. If he pay up, if he's lower in the lineup, then I would say yes, he is. Manny Viveros, coach of the Henderson Silver Knights. When we get back. has a power play goal for the Boston Bruins. The game is now tied. Bruins and Tampa Bay 1-1 with just under seven minutes left in the second period. Boston must win to force a game six. The other game tonight at Rogers Place right here at Edmonton. 7.45 face-off. Dallas against Colorado. Colorado, the home team for that game. Dallas leads the series three games to one. Tomorrow, Islanders and Flyers at five and then Canucks and Golden Knights at 7.45 as the Flyers and Canucks must win to keep their seasons going. I mentioned the Blue Jays lost 4-3 in uh, 11 to Baltimore. We'll touch uh, a little bit more on some acquisitions they made later on in the show. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, a guy who has a new job. I'm very happy for him. He's now the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League. That will be Vegas' farm team. It is Manny Viviros. Manny, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? Reed, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to talk to you. It's uh, it's nice to catch up, and uh, I'm really excited you got you got this opportunity. Tell me about how this came together for you. 
Well, it's, it's something, Reed, that, uh, you know, took, you know, a little bit of time. Uh, about two months ago, I got a call from uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Um, they were looking for uh, a new coach uh, for the American Hockey League team, and he just uh, called and asked if I had, you know, possibly had some interest in joining the organization. And, uh, uh, you know, really excited about that, having a chance and, and to even get the call uh, first and foremost. And uh, then uh, we talked a few times, and we kept talking over the last couple months. And, and, uh, uh, you know, so fortunate that we have this opportunity to, to work with the organization like the Knights, and uh, we're really excited and fortunate. All right, and obviously this is the, the farm team. And, I mean, I suppose there are some, some advantages too here, uh, player-wise and just communication-wise with, with a farm team being situated quite close to its parent team. Oh, certainly, Reed. We're going to be located. Uh, we're, we'll we'll practice out of uh, in Henderson, Nevada, uh, its own individual city, just outside of Las Vegas, and in Summerlin is where the Golden Knights practice. Uh, we're I think at the most twenty minutes apart. So, um, such an advantage uh, for the organization as far as uh, when they're bringing players uh, up to the, the big club, they're going to just it takes it's more of a twenty minute drive for them. So, um, great opportunity for them to watch the kids uh, develop and 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 improve and, and basically on a daily basis uh, in-person meetings with uh, with the parent clubs. So, um, so many advantages uh, to having uh, their American League team in the same city that they're playing also too. And, and the excitement they'll read in Henderson, uh, from last I heard, they have about 8,500 season tickets sold already uh, for the for next season. Whether or not we'll be able to see all those fans or not, it remains to be seen, but still uh, an exciting uh, opportunity. It's going to be an interesting situation for for you, American Hockey League teams. You you often have an interesting combination of veterans, maybe players just on minor league deals, so either guys who are are, are long shots to get back to the NHL or who you know can't be called up because of their contract status, and then you'll have a variety of players, probably between about twenty and twenty five, that are hoping to get up there and uh, and stay up there. What kind of I don't know if challenges is the right word, but it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic for a head coach. Well, no, certainly a great question, Reed. I think for most uh, most importantly is that you need to have that veteran leadership group in, in your dressing room, whether it's at the National Hockey League level, American Hockey League, or the WHL level, is that you need some of these let, uh, veteran leadership guys to show the younger players what it takes to be a real pro, um, not just on ice, off ice, uh, time management, uh, what you're doing, uh, you know, on your days off, those type of things. And if you have good character players that love the game and still want to have that opportunity to get to the National Hockey League, and, and you see stories of that every year of guys who've been career minor leaguers get that opportunity and make the most of it and spend a couple more years uh, in the National Hockey League later on in their careers. And uh, those are the type of guys that you want to have in your team, in your locker room at all times. And I've always said the most important meeting that a coach ever has is the one just after the meeting you have with the players. And you want those guys, uh, you know, translating that message or or, or help uh, communicate with the younger players. And uh, it's so valuable. So challenges, I, I don't think it's a challenge uh, at all. I think it's just something how you include everybody in, in a proper uh, team and family atmosphere. Manny Viveros joining us tonight at Inside Sports has been hired as the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights. That'll be the AHL team for the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, you've you've got an extensive coaching and playing career. I want to just talk a little bit about the WHL. In Swift, 
you uh, had a team with a winning percentage of 6-11. The next year, you had a winning percentage of 7-15 and won the title. And this past year in Spokane, you had a 6-80 winning percentage. Why do you think you, you were so successful in the Western League? You know, first and foremost, uh, Reed, uh, I had great staffs in Swift Current. I had great staffs in Spokane also, too, and also uh, had a really good uh, uh, group of kids. And and alluding to back what we talked about earlier about, I had a leadership group both in Swift Current and also Spokane that these kids uh, all want to get to that next level, and they were prepared and willing to uh, put the time and and work in to get to the next level. And it was uh, my two years in Swift Current and my one year in Spokane were, uh, from a coaching point of view, were, were very, very easy. These kids were so hungry, and uh, you know they were like sponges, so to speak. As far as uh, um, they saw the staff in both organizations that we wanted to put the work in to help them to get the next level and and show them that as a group or as a team, um, you can you can achieve uh, many things together if everybody's on the same page. And uh, um, wonderful experiences, obviously, this is currently won a championship, and also last year. Um, no one will ever know what ha- will happen, but I thought we were as good as anybody in the league at the end of the season. Well, I, I should touch on that. I mean, we haven't had a chance to talk through the whole pause and the and the pandemic. And, you know, our, our Oil Kings here in Edmonton were having a great season, and, and we were hopeful there was going to be a deep playoff run. And I, I mentioned in Spokane, you guys were 41-18-5. So uh, I, I, that's got to be heartbreaking for a coach because some of those kids are, are going to graduate. And, and at that age, uh, you know, they're learning so much and they're forming so many bonds. It's, it's got to be tough that that's an unfinished story for the Chiefs. Well, you know, as you know, it's as hard as that we all take it, but more importantly, how difficult it was for our kids. You know, they put the time and effort in for. You know, these kids nowadays train eleven months of the year, um, off ice, on ice. Uh, they go to school. They come to the rink. We have we have long road trips. They put the time and effort in. They're dedicated. And when we announced that we were. Uh, making that break at that time. We thought it was just going to be a two-week break. Uh, but, you know, deep down, we kind of knew that the season was going to be over. And you could see the disappointment uh, in, in these young men's, uh, you know, faces as far as uh, how much time and effort they put in. And, and more importantly, I think the 20-year-olds, uh, you know, invested so much over their career that they never had a chance to, to finish off uh, their, their career in the proper way, whether you win or lose, but go out in, in the proper way. And, and that's not just our team. That was throughout the whole Western League and, and, and all of the CHL also, too. And um, it, it was sad to see. But, you know, these kids are amazing. You know, they're resilient. They're, they bounce back again, and they're excited, even though uh, at this time they don't know exactly when they're going to play, even though everybody has a tentative date. Um, the pandem- pandemic will control everything that goes on in the world. And But these kids are still positive. They're putting the work in, in the summer times, and they're getting ready for a, a time that, that possibly can play again. Uh, Manny, you know, looking back, we should touch on your on your year with uh, with the Oilers. I know you were you were really excited for that, and obviously being uh, being an Edmonton guy, St. Albert, Edmonton, and, and playing your minor hockey here to to be a member of the Oilers organization turned out to be kind of a strange year, I guess, because the the staff uh, you joined had had Todd McClellan as the head head coach, and then about a third of the way through the season, uh, Hitch was was the head coach. So uh, the game can throw you a curveball, and I guess uh, you had to deal with one that year. No, you know what, Reed? It, 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 it's part of the business, nature of the business. Uh, it was something we say we all sign up for this, and we certainly understand that this could happen at times, and certainly doesn't make it any easier when it does happen. But, um, you know, 
looking back on that year, there's nothing but positives that we don't uh, we take from that. My wife and I, uh, we had an opportunity to meet some new people in the organization. Uh, you know, the training staff, uh, incredible guys, all of them. Um, I still keep in contact with a lot of them as far as uh, we text every once in a while. Um, the players themselves, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to work with Connor and Leon for a year and just watch how these guys uh, work every day in such a market where it's not an easy place always to be a professional athlete and how they handle themselves day in and day out on a daily basis is remarkable. So, um, you know, I've made some friendships uh, over that year and it's something I've taken with me and I'm going to use with me when I go into the American Hockey League next year. And, uh, you know, you have two of the greatest players in the world that uh, you could always relate to how they do things on and off the ice. Manny, is there a is there a trend in the game over the last, I don't know if you want to, if we want to say three to five years or something like that, that you've really seen? I mean, one thing I talk about on this show, and as you know, Manny, because we get to talk off air sometimes, you know, not all my observations are anywhere near correct. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, there's so many, there's so many puck moving defensemen now, right? Like Haskinen and McCarr. And maybe the, the shutdown guy isn't valued as much as he used to be. That's one trend I, I talk about. How do you? How have you seen it? Because you've had a unique spot seeing the junior players and the NHL players over the last five years. No, Reed, that's a great observation, and I totally agree with you. Like there is. There is room in the game still for all types of players in the game. Um, you have the Quinn Hughes's, uh, the Shea Theodores, the McCars, uh, these type Ethan Bears. These guys, you know, when they have the puck on the stick, it's exciting to watch what they're going to do with it, and then they make good heads up plays. But there's still, there, there, there's you still can't win without the type of players on the back end as far as defensemen that are heavy, um, you know, and could be mean, and they can lean on the opposition. I think that's so important to have the right. Uh, proper chemistry uh with throughout a team and uh you know the game uh, just watching the playoffs this year some of these guys that you don't get this chance to see all the time um are are phenomenal you know for like the Shea Theodores again Quinn Hughes those type of players McCars they're they're really a treat to watch every single night but there's still appreciation for some of these guys are, are big and heavy and they play the game the right way and fair and, and it, to make it difficult to play against Manny, I'm gonna I'm gonna close off with uh, with one more here, and as I mentioned, you had an extensive uh, playing career, Western Hockey League, NHL, AHL, IHL. Uh, you know, a lot of a few stops in uh, in Europe. Most of your time over there was in Austria, and then you got into coaching. It, now that you've been a coach for for several years, is there anything that a coach did as a player that kind of bothered you or you didn't get? And now that you're a head coach, you're like. Oh wait a minute! Now I know what he was trying to accomplish. <laughs> Another great question. I think I think as a player, um, a lot of times uh, I thought I knew everything, <laughs> and when I turned to become a coach, I knew nothing. And uh, I think that's one of the things uh, you know. There's a, a, a lot of smart hockey players and everything else. So, but um, if I had to go back in my career. Um, and, and, and we're talking a long time ago, Reed, obviously you know that. Um, the game has changed so much as far as how you study the game. The kids nowadays study the game and they're students of the game. But back then, we weren't so much. We didn't have the, the capabilities of watching video or, or your shifts at a moment's notice. And uh, if anything I could would have done back then, if we had the resources, I would have done that more. Uh, but having said that, uh, you know, you like to think when you get older, you get a little bit smarter here. And uh, I'm going to stick to that. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess just to wrap up some housekeeping, uh, what is it, December 4th? They want to start the season. So what is your... Uh, I, I guess you got to wait and see when camp's going to be when the NHL decides some things or what's what's going on now? I think, Reed, uh, we're going to follow, I think, all leagues across North America are going to kind of follow the template the NHL sets forth. And, and obviously everybody hopes to get back and playing in December. But again, obviously there's a situation that we don't control. But uh, we, I hope to be playing hockey uh, in December, uh, hopefully in front of fans. But again, um, we'll wait and see what happens. Okay. Well, congratulations on the new opportunity. It's it's always fun to have you on the show, Manny. Really appreciate your insight and all the best with the the Silver Knights. Pretty cool name too. And keep in touch, man. Reed, thanks very much. Appreciate it. That is Manny Viveros checking in tonight. So awesome opportunity for him. And uh, hey, I, I'm going to file this one in the category of uh, local boy does well, and he's been doing well ever since he played for the Prince Albert Raiders in the early and, and mid-80s and uh, got into his 29 NHL games and a long uh, career in Europe, and he's doing great as a head coach. I mentioned those points percentages in three seasons in the Western Hockey League, 6'11", 7'15", and 6'80", had that year as an assistant uh, with the Oilers, which was kind of a tumultuous year for, for Edmonton with McClellan getting fired and Hitchcock uh, coming in, and uh, now he gets the go coach in Henderson, Nevada. That is Manny Viveros, one of the good guys. 780-496-0063 is how you can interact either on the phone line or the text line. It is still 1-1 Boston and Tampa Bay as the second period winds down back in a couple of minutes. You know what comes with that podcast subscription? Inside Sports Can Ham, baby. Note, may not actually be a ham, may not come in a can. Second period now concluded. 1-1 Boston and Tampa Bay. Goal scorers Palat and Pasternak. Fifth and third goals of the playoffs, respectively. Stars and Avalanche face off in a little under an hour at Rogers Place. Okay, the uh, Oilers Foundation. The Oilers Community Foundation has uh, tweeted out about 20 minutes ago. The 50-50 has been claimed from the August 7th draw. Daryl Tierlich, I'm not. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly. It's T-Y-R-L-I-K. Uh, so I'm guessing Tierlich, but I apologize, Daryl, if I if I'm saying that uh, incorrectly. I guess he doesn't care. He has almost 7.1 million dollars. <laughs> He's like, call me anything you want, Wilkins. I have seven million dollars. <laughs> seven thousand, uh, pardon me, seven million eighty-eight thousand four hundred twenty-five dollars exactly. Uh, that is the uh, the amount he has won for the record-setting raffle. Obviously, took them a while to sort everything out and issue all the refunds and make the draw. But we uh, have the winner, Daryl Tierlich. I'm just Kellen. I'm rounding it up to seven point one million dollars. I guess it's about eleven and a half thousand dollars short of seven point one. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll call it seven point one. Well, well, I assume Daryl's going to invest some of that money and get some interest, and it'll it'll amount to seven point one once he once he has that. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Daryl. Good for you. That is awesome. A couple people have texted about the World Junior Tournament. 
Uh, last I heard about the World Junior Tournament, it will happen. Um, I, but yeah, it's been a while since I've heard anything specific, but it, it has not been canceled. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to have fans. I, I would imagine they'll probably wait and see as long as possible, kind of like the NHL did with setting up the bubbles. But uh, that's certainly something we can uh, look into or try to find more about. But yeah, I got two texts in the last five minutes here. Um, yeah, I mean, one texter says, will the tournament go ahead with fans and our money? Be-? I, I would think if you have uh, tickets that if, if you've paid for it, tickets that you can't use yeah yeah i mean you you'd get your money back or you'd, or you'd get something out of that or maybe there'd be a credit to some other uh, events if you wanted them i'm not sure but I, I don't think you're gonna lose the money i think that's uh that's a pretty safe bet but last i have heard there uh, will be a world junior tournament and obviously something we will uh we will keep an eye on when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this texture says maybe the Oilers can sign the goalie. That's the Zamboni driver, David Ayers. Probably not. <laughs> I, I don't think, Hey, the Oilers might have some, uh, might be looking for a goalie. I don't know if they're going to sign an emergency goalie to be their actual number one. I know that person's joking around. Good to have Matty Viveros on the show. Wish him all the best with the Henderson silver Knights. Uh, a guy who uh, loves coaching is definitely, been uh, working his way through the the system and, uh, you know, AHL and maybe back in the uh, NHL as an assistant, maybe a head coach someday if he keeps plugging away. Good coach. He'll get an opportunity for sure. All right, we got to call a quick timeout. We'll get into those uh, Blue Jays deals, see what's up with the Toronto Raptors as well. NCAA basketball losing a, a legendary coach today. And Jack Michaels will pop on. I haven't talked to Jack in, uh, man, since the pigs ate my little sister, probably since the orders were eliminated. He's going to be on between 7.30 and 8. Back after the news. Thanks for tuning in. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.